0: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Leher Taude, uh, the co-founder of Connected, uh, which is uh, a technology platform that specializes in executing uh, large-scale tech-enabled development projects aimed at uh, government schools and its uh, students. Uh, hi, Leher. Welcome to ELI.
1: Hi, thank you so much, Priya. Uh, you know, really, really, uh, you know, fortunate to be here. Thank you so much.
0: I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, um, you know, like like Priya said, my name is Lehar Taude. I uh, I co lead an organization called Connected Technologies. Uh, we are essentially an education technology social enterprise, uh, wherein we create, uh, you know, tailor made. Uh, education technology tools, which are aimed at making quality education accessible to government schools and government school students. So, uh, you know, we've been in, uh, we've been in this space for the last seven years. And in that uh, timeframe, we've essentially, uh, you know, specialized in executing large scale developmental programs that uh, are aimed at government schools and government school students. Uh, We we currently cater to, uh, you know, more than more than two lakh students across uh, eight, states in india uh, we are uh, you know we are funded by some of india's largest socially responsible organizations and uh, you know all the products that we deploy to our audiences they're completely free for the end user so so we don't charge up any to these government school students and yeah so that's what we do
0: okay we'll talk about the revenue model uh, later on uh, can you okay. tell us a bit more about uh, connected technologies like what kind of projects do you take and uh, where do you specialize in?
1: Right, right. Uh, So, so there are, uh, I mean, in a sense there are three types of projects that we undertake. Uh, Pre-COVID, uh, it was two. Uh, we've, we've added one. Um, you know, since COVID, uh, the first solution that we provided, uh, you know, to uh, to our user base, which is government schools and government school students, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to our clients, which are essentially socially responsible organizations. The first solution that we provided is essentially the large-scale digitization of government schools. As part of this, what do we do? Uh, We essentially, uh, you know, equip government school classrooms with uh, tailor-made e-learning infrastructure. Uh, And by e-learning infrastructure, I'm not just talking about hardware, but I'm actually talking about, uh, you know, tailor-made educational content, which is completely in sync with the state board, uh, entirely in vernacular Indian languages, covering all subjects, chapters, concepts, right? So so one, um, there's that content that we pair with the hardware that's important. The other part uh, that we specialize in is basically, uh, you know, bundling the hardware and content with end to end servicing, wherein, uh, you know, we we take care of everything from, you know, government liaisoning, getting in the approvals, uh, to, you know, identifying schools, communicating with the schools on behalf of our funders, to actually deploying these uh, solutions in government schools, training the teachers, uh, you know, monitoring how the project is performing, uh, Mm -hmm. reporting on the project's performance to our clients, to the government. And subsequently also doing an impact evaluation to actually be able to tell the government or to tell our funders what has really been the impact of our work on the understanding levels and the academic performance of the child. So so this is the the first solution, uh, which is essentially the large scale digitization of government schools. This is essentially the solution with which the organization uh, started off. Uh, but uh, you know, as as you would know, and as the viewers would know, uh, that uh, you know during COVID, government schools across the country came to a halt, okay. uh, and and with that, uh, you know, the education of government school students particularly came to a halt as well, because uh, you know, unlike students from private schools, they weren't able to migrate very easily to online education, uh, mm. because to be very honest, uh, most edtech players in the country focus on private school audiences, typically in, you know, your tier one and tier two cities. Yeah. So so that is where, uh, you know, the team over here at Connected Technologies, uh, we got together and we started wondering, what can we do, uh, you know, in this situation to, to make things better for government school students? How can we deliver value in this time when schools themselves are shut? And, uh, you know, after, after having our brainstorming sessions internally, after interacting with numerous government authorities, interacting with government school teachers, and the beneficiaries that we've, uh, you know, catered to over all these years, what we essentially realized is that the real need was at this point of time for somebody to make quality education accessible remotely, digitally. Right, And that is where the second solution for Connected comes in. Uh, Since COVID, what Connected Technologies has been doing is that we've been uh, making our educational content, which, like I said earlier, is entirely curriculum-linked, entirely in vernacular languages, covers Mm -hmm. all subjects, chapters. We've been making this content uh, digitally available to government school students for free, wherein they can use any device and connectivity that they have. To, to come and access this educational content and, and uh, you know, not just view it while they have internet connectivity, but they can also download these, uh, you know, videos onto their phone and view them later. Uh, and it's not just educational content that we provide through this platform. We also you know, conduct exercises and activities, so a child can actually self-assess how much has he or she understood, uh, and and based on that understanding, can can you know either re-watch a video or focus on particular aspects, you know, which they may not have understood. So so that's the second solution that we've been undertaking. Obviously, uh, you know, it's not it's not as easy as it sounds. So it's not like we've just been taking our material and making it digitally available. Uh, along with this, you know, we work with uh, government authorities at the state level, at the district level, at the block level. Uh, You know, we work with government school teachers and principals, uh, really work with the entire public schooling education, uh, public schooling ecosystem. To, to make sure that parents and students are aware that such a facility is now available for them free of cost and that they can use any device and connectivity that they have to access quality education just like children from private schools. So, so it's essentially a complete ecosystem that comes together to spread this awareness and get children onto the platform. Uh, so that's the second solution that we've been providing. Lastly, uh, for the last couple of years, we've been, we've also been running uh, you know, mass awareness campaigns uh on key themes uh, such as you know nutrition waste management water conservation during covid we've uh, even been looking at a campaign on mental health uh during covid 19 and we've been rolling out these mass awareness campaigns as well to government school students we pre covid we used to do this in school so we used to essentially leverage our uh you know e-learning infrastructure in government schools to essentially spread these awareness campaigns uh mm. now that schools are shut we have been rolling out these awareness campaigns digitally so so yeah so that's essentially what we do those are the three main solutions that we've been providing
0: okay Uh, can you tell us how it all got started like uh, why you have you are doing this and uh, uh, what were the few uh, first few projects that you undertook and how did you got those projects because uh, for the first time it's a struggle to get projects
1: absolutely absolutely so um uh Connected technologies uh, did not come into being as a company first, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Connected technologies, I think, came to being first as a sentiment. Uh, between my partner, Laveen Mirchandani and myself. Uh, We both knew each other from our time together at Narsi Institute of Management Studies, Bombay. So Mm -hmm. we studied business administration together. Uh, Following our graduation, we were both in our respective jobs. And at some point, I think both of us felt that, you know, we had these great opportunities in front of us where, you know, we had these amazing jobs. They were very comfortable. They rewarded us very well. But we just felt that, you know, they weren't challenging us enough Uh, and, and the work that we were doing was probably not having as much impact as we would like it to have on the ecosystem at large. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the first sentiment was that, you know, you want to do something challenging. You want to do something impactful. Uh, we at the very outset, uh, you know, did not have this in our minds that, you know, we want to do something in the school education space. We just knew we wanted to do something challenging and impactful and uh, you know we we frankly started looking at the world around us and uh, you know we started thinking what can we do you know what sector do we contribute to uh, because obviously any sector would be challenging you know uh, it it really depends on you what is it what challenges is it that you want to take on yourself uh, and and where is it that you want to create impact so we really just started looking at the observing the world around us uh, and seeing where is it that we could contribute and the one sector that kept coming back to us was education Right. Uh, And the reason why uh, it kept coming back is because, you know, everybody in this country, uh, you know, has always known that the public education system or the government schooling system in India uh, is not working to its best. Mm -hmm. We may not know what the problem is, but, but everybody in this country will agree that it's not the best. So we also came from the same school of thought that, oh, you know what, education is something that is not working the best. Uh, And and that is something that we felt very strongly towards because we felt that wherever we were in our lives, wherever we were in our careers, was purely because of the education that we got, you know, and and in a way, if you think about it, it holds true for everybody, you know, you, me, for everybody viewing this, Uh, wherever we are in our lives is purely to do with the education that we've received. And if you think about the education that you've received, it's entirely to do with Uh, you know, the socioeconomic background of your family, it's entirely to do with, you know, where you come from, you know, where are you born in a city? Are you born in a tier two, uh, you know, town? Are you born in, you know, a village? You know, so essentially, the education that we've all received is is basically a combination of socioeconomic background and location. Mm. And you think that your entire life trajectory is determined by the socioeconomic makeup of your family background and where you were born uh it just makes you realize that your entire life has essentially been shaped by something which was a matter of chance you know okay. uh, our lives could be completely different if we were born in a different household you know or in a different city uh, and that's a very humbling feeling right? to, to know that you know, you're here and you're, you're fortunate to be here, but you could have very well been somewhere else. And uh, you know, when, when Levine and I started looking at education, we had this realization and we just felt that you know, in, in today's day and age, uh, where technology is bringing people closer, it's making information so accessible. Uh, we just felt it was unfair that something as critical or as important as quality education was still being determined by socioeconomic factors or by, uh, you know, location, uh, uh, you know, or, or your ability to, you know, afford something.
0: Hmm.
1: So, so that is where that sentiment came where we were like, okay, we want to do something and we want to do something in the public schooling space in the government schooling space uh, however you know besides this sentiment Lavin and i knew very little about how this system works you know what are the problems that plague it what is being done with technology uh, you know is there scope for technology to come in and make a difference mm. uh, so so while we were in our jobs we we took about 6 months time to conduct secondary research on this entire space to understand the the government schooling system in India, the problems plaguing it, what kind of solutions are there, what are the kind of solutions that people are developing with technology, what is the impact that's being had. So we did what is essentially called as a secondary research. Uh, We did our secondary research for a span of six months while we were in our jobs. Um, And that is when I think we both had a decent amount of understanding of how this space works. Mm. But, you know, secondary researches are only that good because essentially you're reading somebody else's work. You know, you haven't gone out there. You haven't seen it yourself. So so we did our secondary research uh, and that was the time when we both actually quit our jobs. I'm talking about 2014. Uh, we both quit our jobs and we decided that, you know, we first and foremost, we want to conduct a primary research. We want to do this ourselves. You want to do our own research to, to actually see what's happening on ground. What is happening with government schools? What are the problems plaguing them? What is happening with technology? You know, is it effective? How can it be made effective? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the moment we decided that uh, you know we quit our jobs, we uh, we moved to this geography called Palghar, which is about two and a half hours away, two and a half three hours away from Bombay. Uh, we went to Palghar and uh, we started uh, you know interacting with the government authorities over there uh, with the perspective of you know conducting uh, a primary research out there. Uh, and and they uh, were very very cooperative over there at that point of time uh, you know the Palgar district was being chaired by a very young collector uh, uh, by the name of Mr. Abhizid Pangar he was very supportive and he's the one who actually gave us uh, you know access to a lot of government data got to with government schools which mm-hmm. essentially gave us a lot of quantitative information of how schools were uh, were functioning what were the problems plaguing it you know what kind of solutions were deployed what is the impact of those solutions along with that uh, he also gave us uh, you know, access to uh, 570 government schools, where we could actually go and interact with stakeholders to understand from them through interaction, uh, what are the problems taking them? How can, uh, what kind of solutions are being deployed? What kind of technologies are being deployed? What is the impact of it? Is it having a difference? What can have a difference? Um, So a lot of information really came to us by virtue of this primary research, Uh, And that is where, uh, you know, if I was to just summarize it, what we understood was that uh, there was a fair amount of work being done with technology, even in 2014, uh, Mm. when it comes to government schools. However, the difference, uh, you know, at that point of time to what it is today is uh, at that point of time, uh, whatever work was being done with technology in government schools was actually work that was done with technology, which was designed for private schools or schools in urban areas mm. was technology which are designed for students who go to private schools and it's just that this technology was being provided to a government school because somebody wanted to do good mm. now this is obviously the right sentiment to have you know because you essentially want to provide top-of-the-line equipment top-of-the-line content top-of-the-line uh, you know uh, paraphernalia you know to a government school but what is really very important to understand is that Every piece of technology around us is designed keeping a user in mind, right? So just taking an edtech product, which is designed for a private school and providing it to a government school, it might be the best intention, but it may not be the best thing to do operationally, mm. it may not be the best thing to do from an impact perspective. And, and we realized this from the secondary research, from the primary research that a lot of people were doing this. A lot of people were pumping in a lot of money into, into improving government schools, but with technology, which was not meant for government schools, hmm. which is essentially when we, Lavin and I took it on ourselves. And we said that, you know what, this is not fair. It is not fair for the students. It's not fair for the teachers. It's not fair for the people who are spending this money as well. Right. Uh, so What what do we want to do? We want to come together to create uh, education technology solutions, which are designed specifically for government schools, for government school students, uh, not just from a hardware perspective, right? but more importantly, from a content perspective. The content should be in line with the state board curriculum, which is followed in government schools. The content should be in vernacular languages, because that is what is uh, followed in these schools. The, the content should be as per the grasping power of the child in the schools, you know, mm. the focus should be on basic fundamentals, because that is where government schools in this country fall back, right? Mm. Uh, similarly, services should be provided to the last mile it shouldn't be difficult for somebody to provide these uh, technologies to a government school. You know, it shouldn't be inconvenient. It shouldn't be where, you know, they have to take something and give it themselves because just by spending money, they are doing good enough. You know, somebody should be there ready to provide them with the services that is required to make a project like this successful. So mm-hmm. that is where we came in and we said that we want to do this. And that is where connected Technologies as an organization came in. Um, so yeah, so that that's essentially how things started off.
0: Okay. Uh, I had one, one very interesting question for you. Uh, can you I tell think. us uh, how the Indian education system is evolving uh, right now, especially uh, post-pandemic where you see the rise of uh, edtech apps, which convince students that uh, if they don't learn from their app, their career is doomed and the fiasco that follows Uh, and uh, the government schools which are also trying to digitize and catch up with the pace and there are private schools as well Uh, but uh, essentially learning uh, is not you know you don't need to pay for learning uh, with the apps like youtube are there you can simply search on youtube on any topic and you can learn and school's role is not to Teach you stuff, but rather teach you how to learn, how to you know, uh, research yourself and how to learn yourself. So uh, with that in context, can you tell us what are the different trends and uh, direction that 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 you are seeing in the entire education sector, especially the primary and secondary education sector? Right. Uh, right. Yeah.
1: So um, I mean, when you talk about the Indian education system, I think the Indian education system by itself is extremely large, right? Mm. Uh, uh because because obviously when you talk about the education system the education system grows in various categories you know you have you have preschool, you have primary school, middle school high, uh, high school uh, secondary or so and so forth you know so there are different categories to it uh, I think I think the the particular segment which I have my expertise in which I can talk about is definitely the the uh, you know the the schooling phase right um, now even when you talk about the the, the, the school education system, you know, which is a subset of the Indian education system. And you talk about the school education system also. Uh, there are two parts to it. You know, there are really India. India essentially is a country where there are two worlds that live. Mm. Right. Uh, in our school education system, there's obviously the, the private school education system. Right. And then uh, there is essentially what we call as the government school education system. Right, the the private school education system uh, is is again a very different ball game altogether. Because when you talk about private school in this country, uh, I think private schools in this country uh, offer uh, offer as good education as you could receive uh, anywhere in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are probably there are probably some schools which are doing it a little bit better than the others. But uh, by and large, if you talk about private schools in India, uh, I would say that. Uh, you know our, our our private schools are doing a phenomenal job uh, during the pandemic uh, unfortunately uh, you know uh, private schools have had to shut down just like all other schools and uh, you know students from private schools have essentially migrated uh, to an online format of teaching and learning uh, and and this has been something which obviously it has been a difficult transition for these students as well hmm. because uh, because nothing nothing really uh, you know beats the educational experience of learning in class, you know, with oh. a teacher in front of you. Uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, it has been to some extent, uh, as compared to the children that we work with, you know, it has been a little easy for them, because at least these children have the luxury of devices and connectivity, you know, which allows them to at least see their teachers and see their peers in a virtual environment. Right. Uh, and in this situation, I think private schools in India are trying their level best to cope up with the, the current circumstances. Obviously, that it, there was a first wave which came in, which was obviously like a world of a shock because nobody had seen or, or been in something like that then obviously there was a second wave uh, by when uh, you know uh, private schools and private school students were a lot better prepared to to handle uh, you know online education so to speak uh, and now again uh, you know there's a third wave that's happening and i think by now uh, online education for private schools and private school students has essentially become de facto right uh, it's it's a world that everybody is now used to um, however uh, you know when you talk about the government schooling system you know the other world uh, or the world that we come from. Um, that's where that's where uh, you know uh, this entire situation is is very very different, right? So when you talk about government schools across the country, uh, you know pre-COVID, uh, uh, I mean I would I would agree to uh, you know anybody and everybody else that uh, government schools across the country, uh, you know pre-COVID, it's not like they were functioning to their level best. Uh, it's not like the quality of education that they were offering was was as good as you know any private school or or any other school in the world. Uh, definitely, there were areas which were lacking, uh, and and the reason for this is because you know our government schooling system is extremely large, uh, extremely complex, extremely fragmented, uh, beyond most people's imagination. Truly, you know, uh, like for example, uh, India India has. If I'm not mistaken, India has uh, government schools that teach in 28 different languages, you know, uh, so, so a government school in Maharashtra teaches in a very different language than, let's say, a government school in Gujarat or, uh, you know, even, let's say, Karnataka or, or Goa, because, uh, you know, and these are neighboring states. So you can imagine what it's like when you talk about different states in the country. So mm. So language is a complexity. You know, uh, the reason why I said government schools are fragmented is because, you know, unlike private schools where uh, where a child can enroll in you know right after preschool or at times even during preschool, uh, and and then go on to study till the tenth or twelfth grade, unlike unlike that ecosystem, you know, government schools are typically staggered. A child enters into you know, a preschool is separate. Uh, the 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 primary school is till fourth standard. Then you get out of that school. You have to go to another school for middle school. You know, which is typically from grade five to seven or eight. Uh, then you go to your uh, you know higher schooling, which is eight, nine, ten, or nine, ten. Um, so so really, you know, if you imagine, uh, imagine you're in a middle school where there are people from different schools in your classroom. And now imagine being a teacher catering to a class full of children who've come from different schooling backgrounds. It is difficult even for a teacher. I'm not saying that the government schooling system does not work because teachers are bad. I'm saying that the entire system is very complex. Mm. It is very fragmented. It is very large, which is why it hasn't been able to function the way it should be. It's not a problem of one particular stakeholder you can't blame it on the government you can't blame it on a teacher you can't blame it on the student you can't you can't blame it on any one party mm. it's an ecosystem which is designed in a way where it has loopholes right okay. uh, however however uh, you know entities like us we've we've been fighting for the last seven years to bring in technology because if you think about technology one of the hallmarks of technology is that you can standardize delivery. Right. You and I are having this call. And by virtue of this, you know, we both can understand that this is standardized delivery today, this recording, you know, you can play, let's say, even after 10 years, and this delivery will still be the same, mm. because technology allows you to standardize, right? Uh, if if I if, if we were to conduct this session in, in the highest quality possible, from a content perspective, from a messaging perspective, this this interaction will retain its quality even 10 years hence, right? Which is not the case with in-person interactions. So, so for the last seven years, connected technologies has truly been trying to say that technology needs to come into government schools, that high quality content in vernacular languages needs to play a bigger role in government schools, because that is how you can improve the quality of lecture delivery in government schools. And that's how you can standardize the quality of lecture delivery in government schools. But, um, you know, by, by doing this, you know, while we've definitely had had tremendous support across various, uh, you know, stakeholders across various locations, uh, it's, it's definitely been, you know, a little bit difficult because when you talk about improving government schools and when you talk about, you know, improving the quality of education by bringing it quality educational content in vernacular languages, when you talk about government schools, the one thing very important that you need to do is you need to throw in hardware right? Mm -hmm. Because because how else will content be delivered, right? Right. So hardware needs to come in and hardware is always very expensive. Mm -hmm. The moment hardware comes in, and you're talking about government school teachers, you need to throw one extra element, which is servicing, because you need to Mm -hmm. make these government school teachers equipped to deal with this hardware that you provide, right? Which essentially is something that makes this entire process, while it is very scalable and very effective and very efficient, it still makes it a little slower because there's that hardware element into it, Mm -hmm. right? And then now COVID has happened. And and during COVID, you know, by virtue of government schools being shut, uh, I think what happened was suddenly government school students, their parents, their teachers, everybody was in this situation of helplessness, uh, wherein they realized that, wait, you know, our schools are shut, we still need education, for us, for our children, for our students, how do we do this? And, and they naturally ended up realizing, you know, uh, you can say overnight that that smartphone, you know, that you have and that, that internet connectivity that that smartphone has might just be the way to do this. Right. And as they saw private school students, you know, making that shift to online education, I think somewhere government school students, government school teachers, and, parents of government school students started realizing that we if they are doing this we should probably also be doing this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think over the last two years what we have seen as connected technologies that there's been a huge shift right in mindset suddenly you have children from government schools who are just as passionate about learning using their smartphones you know uh, learning over the internet more than students i think what is really heartening to see is that parents have warmed up to this idea mm-hmm. and that essentially is 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 where uh, you know a huge shift has happened when you talk about the government schooling space so like i said you know the private schooling space in india has always been doing well and it is still doing as good as what it possibly could it's the government schooling space particularly which but which especially in the last two years has made a world of a switch uh, and that's phenomenal. Uh, the government from its end also has made some great uh, uh, you know, advances in the last two years, particularly. Uh, you've had uh, the, the new education policy, the new uh, you know, national education policy uh, being adopted finally in 2020 after several years, after, after more than two decades almost. Right. That's that's a huge step uh, for government schools across the country, because essentially what the new education policy means, the adoption of a new education policy means is that the entire educational process, which was being followed across all schools, more specifically towards government schools, is now going to, you know, become more in tune with the time. Right. It's going to be more in tune with the needs of today and hence is going to equip government school students to grow up to be, you know, adults who can better contribute to Mm. the entire ecosystem, you know, so that's so, so the entire adoption of, uh, you know, the NEP 2020 as they call it has been very important. Uh, I think the government over the last two years has, has uh, has really been trying to promote online education amongst government school students they have tried to do this by you know developing their own content by making their own repository of material which children can access they have been doing this by you know, subsidizing delivery of devices and connectivity there are states in the country who have announced free uh, you know devices and connectivity to students in critical grades you know 9th tenth 11 twelfth so so yeah so I mean there's there's a lot that's happening in the space uh, and and to a great extent this is all positive so so yeah that that's my outlook currently on what's happening but obviously there's a lot to be done uh,
0: okay yeah. yeah of course uh, there uh, the, there is always a scope for improvement uh, due to interest of time I just have one more question left uh, sure. which is, Tell us uh, about the lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur, which we can take away and apply to our ventures.
1: Sure. Sure. Um- I mean it's 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 I think it's it's by far the most difficult question to answer uh because uh uh as as an entrepreneur, um I think there is no one lesson or there's there's no uh you know fixed set of lessons that one learns uh during their journey. Um I think I think entrepreneurship is uh in itself, you know, which which you learn on a daily basis. You know, I, I think uh, over the last 7 years uh, i think every day has been a lesson in itself uh, but there are a lot of things that it teaches you you know it teaches you um uh, it 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 really teaches you uh, first and foremost uh, um humility right because uh, you know if if you are starting off as an entrepreneur i think one thing that you really need to ensure is that uh, you know you're humble because you're really starting off uh, starting off pursuing your dream and no one person in this world is capable enough of fulfilling their dream by themselves right uh, it's always a team effort and and it's not just a team effort Uh, you know, from the perspective that, oh, if I have the capital, I can, I can throw capital and I can get a team and my team will work with me to uh, satisfy my dream. It's not, it's not as easy as that. It's, it's beyond money. You know, you need people who, who believe in you, who trust in you, who want to, you know, build uh, your vision. Uh, So, so humility is very important. Uh, to start off with and humility is also something that you learn in the process because it's truly a humbling experience to see how how so many people eventually at some point of time come together to to make your vision come to life uh, i think i think entrepreneurship uh, you know teaches you responsibility uh to to start with you know you need to really be responsible uh, for yourself for your actions uh, subsequently you need to be responsible towards the actions of your organization uh, and as your organization grows uh, you know you really need to uh, be responsible towards you know the people who constitute your organization uh, as well as you need to take responsibility for their actions as well mm-hmm. right so so it is something that that takes a lot of responsibility but like I said it also teaches you a lot of responsibility um and and lastly uh you know i think uh, what entrepreneurship uh, you know takes and gives is uh, uh is is a lot of enjoyment i would say uh, you know if you're if you're starting off pursuing something that is uh, you know your dream your passion uh, it's very enjoyable to start with uh, and as you pursue it more and more it continues getting more enjoyable because every day throws up a new challenge uh, and, and in the process of you, you know, uh, living up to that challenge, uh, you're developing yourself, which is again, an enjoyable process. Uh, so yeah, so, so, so those are three top giveaways, uh, you know, uh, from entrepreneurship as a journey, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like I said, you know, there are, there are numerous more, I think, uh, I, I, I don't think anybody can uh, really summarize it into like a handful of things. It's 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 a it's a journey in itself, and I would highly recommend it to to anybody uh, you know who who really has their heart set on doing something.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, on this note, I think I am uh, we are at the end of the discussion. Uh, it was a pleasure to host you here at DLA, and thanks for your time, uh, Leher. I would say my best wishes Thank for.
1: Thank you so much, Priya. Thank you so much for having us.